I'll be there for you when the razors Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we're recording. We are here live in the studio. Studios, I should say, plural. Let's get a pluralization on that because, folks, we are adhering to the COVID policies. We are not together. The boys are separate in our own respective homes, and you got to be loving it as well as most likely sucking it. Uh, what are we bringing to you, all you cool cats and kittens today, ladies and gents? It's the playoff picture for the bullshit-shortened COVID season, uh, where whoever wins, not really a real win, a little bit of an asterisk there, but it is what it is. We're taking a look at all 16 teams. That's right. 16 teams. Ladies and gentlemen, it's going to be an absolute bloodbath. The Ducks are here. We just got them imported from Grotto's in Newark, Delaware. Um, the Ducks, they've emptied the machine. Uh, they are officially now in the bath. It is currently being filled with blood as we speak. The bloodbath set to start play tomorrow, Tuesday, September 29th, with the AL wildcard games. Quite the shit show. Across the board here, we got some good matchups going on. Uh, we are going to skip our regularly scheduled Mets Yanks. We're talking Mets. We're talking Yankees. Uh, we're skipping that. We're actually not talking Mets, nor are we talking Yankees this week because we are busy talking about the big old fashioned steaming pile of duke that is the wonky MLB 16 team postseason. Ladies and gentlemen, start your engines. And start your bidets because we are going to be taking Dukes. But we're going to make this a short episode because we know you got places to be, people to see, and Dukes to take. So without further ado, Mike, you got anything to add? Going to be a crazy, crazy week. Excited to jump into it. Playoffs start tomorrow, Wednesday. Game starting at 12 p.m. All throughout the day, even though nobody likes a three-game series. Nope. The next couple days, set to be incredible. Cannot wait for it. Let's get this show on the road, Uncle Train. Well, without further ado, Big Doggy Duty staying on the back of the pantaloons. It is time. You know him. You love him. It is Tommy Rowe with a little sweet bee. Come on. How we doing, boy? Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it's Uncle Train, the big dog, sipping cups of Joe in the morning, taking big old-fashioned dukes, sitting on the toilet bowl, squeezing out farts and duke. You gotta love it. You absolutely also have to suck it. We're gonna split this up into an AL segment and then an NL segment for all of the teams in the 16-team postseason for the MLB playoff picture, ladies and gentlemen. Jumping into it, the American League, big doggy duty, stay in the back of the pantaloons. These games we got going in Tuesday... Wednesday, and if necessary, on Thursday. I believe the rules is that the games will be played at the home field of the higher seed. Yeah, all, all potentially three games of the uh, wildcard series. All of the rounds that follow will be played at neutral sites. They're going to a bubble. 
Yeah. They are going to uh, what is being referred to as a bubble. Not a true bubble because they will be bouncing around a little bit. Um, gonna be crazy, folks. Before we start jumping into the matchups and our thoughts on some of those, quick little review of some of the things that have changed this season. As Uncle Train has mentioned earlier in the podcast, we are jumping to a 16-team, almost March Madness-style tournament uh, as far as baseball is concerned. There will be no off days in the wild card round. There will be no off days in the divisional round, and there will no, and there will be no off days in the championship round. This, folks, is going to make a monster difference. No longer can you see things like what the Nationals executed last year. Uh, I believe they they received about seventy one percent of their innings pitched by about four pitchers. That can't happen when you're playing this many games back to back. It's just impossible. So we're really going to get a, a strong grasp it on... It cannot be done, folks. It cannot be done. And just like Matt from Hoboken at the gym, there will be no off days. Folks, there will be no off days. Um, and yeah, we're going to see... It's going to be a true test of every team's depth. Everyone on the roster are going to have to be utilized in order to win that championship. Um, other things that have changed, the wild card round, no longer going to be a sudden death do or die just for two teams. Every team in the big dance is going to have to play in this round. It's going to be a best of three. Three. Uh, nobody, likes, nobody likes a best of three, but it we will be entertaining uh, from a fan standpoint. Uh, we have a lot of matchups to get to, so Come let's on. jump into it with... The first matchup of tomorrow, starting at 2 p.m., it is the Houston Trashdros. Uh, somehow they somehow they skated into the playoffs as the sixth seed with a record below 500. Now, folks, this is the same team that cheated their way to a championship in 2017. They cheated most likely in 2018 and 2019. And, folks, in 2020, we have seen the fall of the Houston Astros, but they do squeak in and they set up a date with the Minnesota Twins. Minnesota Twins fans, I wanna just say congratulations if you're out there. You do not have to play the Yankees in round one of the playoffs. Huge. It's a beautiful thing for you guys. Come on. Um, but this matchup is interesting. Of course, the Astros are gonna be without Verlander. Big blow, so they're going to be relying on Granke and Framber Valdez in the first two games of the series, I believe. Um, Lance McCullers is going to play a role. Go, go. Then the Twins. The Twins finally get that pitching staff in order a little bit. You're going to get King Kenta Maeda on the bump in uh, game one. He mm-hmm. was one of the best pitchers in baseball this year. Probably Absolutely. going to finish second or third in Cy Young voting. He was really, truly incredible. Incredible. And then you're going to rely on Barrios and Pineda in games two and three if necessary. The lineup of the Twins has been fantastic. The Astros have not been getting production from guys who you are accustomed to seeing them get production from. Notably, Jose Altuve had stinks. a terrible, Absolutely terrible. stinks. He's a gigantic, actually not a gigantic, a tiny little sack of Duke. He hit... What did he hit? Like 219 uh, in 2020. So At least he got, he got have, above the Mendoza. That was good. If they're going to have any chance in this series, he's going to need to snap out of it a little bit. 
now, Uncle Trey, my my initial thought on this, sir, is uh, talk to me, doggy duty, stay in the back of the pantaloons. Doesn't feel like like the Astros don't feel that justified, right? Like it feels like they were bad this year. We all got what we wanted as fans, and they stunk. Like all of their hitters had down years that that you know were benefiting from the cheating. And now all of a sudden they still squeak in, and you know that they still have a chance because you're going to have Greinke on the mound in game one. You have some pitchers that can get the job done, uh, and anything can happen in three games. But I do like the Twins here. I think the Twins have a much deeper lineup. Uh, you know, Nelson Cruz, one of the best hitters in the American League for, for years and years now. I, I think Kenta Maeda uh, gives them a, uh, you know, something that they haven't had in, in previous years. And they do have a pretty good bullpen. So I like the Twins in this series. And man, oh man, I really hope the Astros just get absolutely crushed. What do you think about this series? Yeah, this is an interesting one. Um, I agree. I think I'm with you and the rest of baseball fans who do not live in the city of Houston that the Astros need to get absolutely demolished. Uh, like you mentioned earlier, they are under 500. They simply are not a good team. They obviously uh, lost Cole in the offseason to the Bronx Sacks of Duke themselves, and they lost Verlander down to injury early. So like you said, they got Granke trying to lead this young rotation. They're kind of middle of the pack in Team ERA on the offensive side of things. You know, they still, you look at the lineup on paper, they still got some good bats, but bottom 10 in batting average and OBP, um, definitely in the, you know, bottom half of the league in uh, ding-dongs, which was a, definitely a step back from previous years where they were cheating their way. Twins have, on the contrary, one of the best pitching staffs in the majors. They got a team ERA 3-5-8, which is good for fourth in the majors, just behind uh, the Dodgers, the Dodgers, Indians, and the Rays. They haven't made it past the ALDS since 2002, but again, they can mash tater tots with the rest of the league. So you got to be liking uh, the Twins' odds here, and you got to be liking the fact that they're going up against the Trastros, who, again, have not been doing too hot this year. The fact that they're even in the postseason, you got to be wondering. But either way, I'm taking the Twins here in two. I'm with you. I think Twins in two. Uh, and let's move on to the next matchup that's going to start at 3 p.m. It's the White Sox heading to Oakland to take on the Athletics. Uh, we got Lucas Giolito versus Jesus Lazardo in game one. Uh, hell of a matchup there. Lucas Giolito is one of the best pitchers in baseball this year through mm-hmm. a no-hitter. Lazardo, the uh, the promising rookie, had a uh, pretty great rookie season. Um, this is a really interesting matchup. Now, you know, it, you have it, the White it Sox it is. Who, who finally broke through. They finally had that season that everyone was looking for, where the uh, the guys come together, Abreu and Tim Anderson, two MVP candidates. Uh, you have the pitching staff led by Lucas Giolito. Uh, you have some guys in that bullpen who could definitely uh, hold down the end of a game, you know, led by Colome at the back end. Yep. So they, they definitely uh, stepped up to the plate this year and had a great year. One thing that is a little concerning for the White Sox, they did – uh, come, they did finish the season uh, losing quite a few games. I believe it was one, two, three, four, five, six, seven of their last eight games were losses. Um, you don't like to see that heading into the postseason, but 
here's the thing about the postseason, folks. The slate gets wiped clean. You can throw everything out the window. Yep. And all it takes is a little spark to get hot. The White Sox are very interesting. Great lineup. Um, and then they're, they're, they're going to face the Athletics. And the Athletics, we all know they have a very, very good lineup. They could always hit home runs. Absolutely. You have guys like Matt Olson, Marcus Simeon, even fucking Jake Lamb has started Jakey to Lamb for them. Bye-bye bye, 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 Black Sheep, baby. Come on. You know, the loss of Chapman hurts. They have one of, if not the best, bullpen in baseball, uh, led by Liam Hendricks. Uh, Jake Diekman was one of the best relievers in baseball this year as well. I think he only gave up about one run this year. Um, curious to get your thoughts here. Th- this one is not as cut and dry for me. I- yeah. I'm not sure where I stand yet because I do think the Athletics have an issue with the fact that you're throwing a guy like Luzardo in game one. Yes, he could be sensational, but you don't have that stopper on the mound like the White Sox have in Lucas Giolito. Dallas Keuchel also had an unbelievable year. You're going to have to go through him in game two. It's going to be tough for Oakland, I think. I think it's going to be a tough one. I'm not sure. What do you think, Uncle Trey? So that's the thing. Um, Oakland, I mean, this is is definitely, uh, on paper, you're looking at two of the best pitching teams in the majors. Right between on the A's, you got guys like Mike Fires, um, again Lazardo, who they're going to be throwing out. Chris Bassett, who's coming off of uh, AL Pitcher of the Month for the month of September, I believe. Um, I might have just made that up, but I'm pretty sure I saw that somewhere. Either way, this is going to be an interesting one. Don't be surprised when you see a high-scoring matchup between these teams, because like I said, I feel like these teams got a lot of grittiness. They are uh, scrappy guys, and they're going to find ways to put bat on the ball against these against these pitchers in this series. Uh, Lucas Giolito, Lazardo. Again, Giolito's good. Dude's not unhittable, though. Absolutely not unhittable. Overall, I, mean, I think uh, with both these teams, their bullpens were, were pretty strong throughout the year, which helped them overall with you know, the team ERA and everything like that. But these starters definitely are vulnerable. Yeah, I, I think you're right. Um... I know that this is true of every series, but it feels like the White Sox in particular really need to win game one. Um, you have the, the advantage there with Giolito, and if you can't get that game done, then you're looking at a, a game three scenario automatically where you're either going to have to throw Dane Dunning or Dylan Cease. Both were pretty inconsistent this year. Um, and the Athletics just have a little bit more experience. You know, they've been in the postseason the last couple of years. Um, so it's going to be a really, really interesting matchup. Um, I'm excited to watch these two teams go at it. Not quite sure who I think uh, is going to win. If you're really going to twist my arm and make me choose, I'm going with Oakland. Um, I think okay. I think, uh, I think the White Sox kind of need to win this series in two games uh, with their two guys on the mound. Uh, for that reason, I'm taking Oakland. I think Oakland can steal one of these first two games and, and finish this off in three if need be. I like that. I like that. Overall, we will see what happens, folks. Time will tell. It absolutely will. And uh, the third series, uh, probably the the most cut and dry uh, mm-hmm. of these first three. But again, you never know. Uh, you have the Blue Jays taking on the number one. I can't believe the Blue Jays are in it. Blue Jays are in it. They're dancing. Uh, Blue Jays versus the Rays. Uh, everybody hates the Rays, uh, but we're gonna see what happens here. 
in this series. You have the upstart Blue Jays. Everybody hates the Rays. Everybody hates them. Everybody. Oh, uh, folks, you got to be wondering what is going on in the twisted, warped mind of a sick, sick Yankees fan. <laughs> you got the upstart Blue Jays, uh, led by Bo Bichette, Kevin Biggio, Vlad Guerrero Jr., Lourdes Gurriel Jr., yep. all the sons of, uh, you know, former prominent baseball players, um, now with their time to shine. They had a nice season uh, playing in Buffalo under weird circumstances. You're gonna see Ryu uh, get get on the mound in game one. Past no, that, they, past they 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 pushed him to game two. They're starting Schumacher game one. I take it back. So they're going. Uh, Which I don't. I don't quite understand why they would push Ryu, who was you know I think their clear ace this year. Were they just not two. able to set it? I'm trying to think of when Ryu last pitched. But he pitched against the Yankees, which means he should have been able to throw on Tuesday. Maybe they just couldn't figure out a way to get it lined up. Um, whatever it is, that that's an unfortunate uh, thing that they're not able to throw Ryu in game one. Uh, you got Blake Snell. But here's the thing. You know, the, the Blue Jays are an exciting team. They have guys who can make some noise. But I think the Rays are just going to be too much for them in this series. The Rays are built for this wacky play every single day of the postseason uh, format because you have guys like Snell, Glass now, and Morton, even though Morton wasn't great this year. 877 Glass now. Yep, got it. Those three guys are going to start the games. And then you have a bullpen where they are one of the only teams in baseball who really probably trust every single reliever that they're going to throw out there to be able to get some outs. Um, And I just think that they are going to be a handful. Honestly, the Blue Jays might have a better lineup top to bottom. You know, they might have more guys in the middle of that lineup that that, uh, scare you. But the Rays have just figured it out all year. Nobody wants to play in Tropicana. Um, I, I, I don't see Toronto being able to win this series. Uh, the interesting know, thing the interesting thing about this, though, is this specific matchup, this uh, divisional matchup that you got going on here, in that the Rays, so they took six out of the ten games that they played against the Jays this year. The interesting thing, though, is that two of those were extra inning walk-off wins. And the, and, and, and the Blue Jays did outscore Tampa 48-44 to in those ten games. So you got to be wondering. I mean, they're a division rival. They played them tough throughout the entirety of the season, obviously with those two extra inning walk-offs. So, folks, in a three-game series, really anything is possible. you got to be wondering. Anything is possible. I think it's going to be fun to watch. I think the games could definitely be close. Um, but for me, the Rays are just going to be too much. Yeah, uh, they're going to be too right. much to handle for, for Toronto. Baseball is a crazy game. Anything could happen. That's baseball, Susan. That is baseball, Susan. That is baseball, Susan. It's going to be cool to see the uh, the Blue Jays uh, take a take a shot at the number one overall seed. Come on, baby. Uh, Come on, boy. Come on. But we Losing shall there. see. And finally, uh, as we conclude our uh, AL segment, just get you have the with. matchup that get everybody everybody's looking forward to. It's probably the. Uh, the most interesting one in the American League uh, to start out the postseason. You have the Cleveland Indians taking on the New York Yankees. 
These three games will be played in Cleveland at Progressive Field. And the matchup that everybody cannot wait to see goes down at 7 p.m. tomorrow night, folks. It is Shane Bieber, who is unquestionably the best pitcher in baseball this year, against Garrett Cole, the guy who the Yankees referred to as their white whale. And is an absolute disappointment on the season. That is just ridiculous. I'm not even going to entertain that nonsense. You you dished out the money for a bona fide ace, the best guy in the league, and what you get is someone who doesn't even come close to the Cy Young running. you got to be wondering, is it worth the money that you dished out, the constraints on the wallets? I heard that having a Cy Young winner on your team automatically puts you in the postseason. That's what I heard. But then I watched the Mets the last three seasons, and they absolutely... Stank the big farts. They could okay. not even get into the playoffs in an expanded 16-team field with one of the okay. best-hitting teams in baseball. They could not figure it out, folks. Yeah, they couldn't do it. So it's not all about hardware. The Mets don't. Mets fans I'm don't just understand. Saying, all, all I'm it's saying they're gonna be a little disappointed. Nobody's disappointed. Okay. Nobody's disappointed about Garrett right. Cole. The real season starts tomorrow night in uh, in Cleveland. It's going to be a hell of a matchup. I mean, you got really the marquee pitching matchup of the postseason happening on the on the first day. Uh, Bieber versus Cole. One thing I will note, saw a great stat on the Twitter today. Uh, a lot of people talk about how in the postseason you got to be able to get timely hits. you got to be able to string together hits in order to score runs, and that teams that live and die off the long ball just don't get it done in October. Hmm. Interestingly enough, and I actually do somewhat agree with that, I think you need guys who can put the ball in play in October and make the other team make a play. However, this year, Shane Bieber gave up 15 runs. 10 of those runs came on home runs. That's 67% of the runs he gave up this year, which he barely gave up any. Yeah. came on home runs. Which just tells me you cannot string together hits against this guy. Well, you say, big dog, tell me about Garrett Cole. He gave up a lot of home runs this year. Garrett Cole gave up 27 runs this year. 18 of those runs came on home runs. You might be saying to yourself, wow, that is the same exact percentage as Shane Bieber. It seems like this game will come down to which team can hit the big home run off of the ace and and get to the other team's bullpen first mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um and then you know as you move past game one you're looking at carlos carrasco carlos carrasco yeah. uh versus masahiro tanaka just another great pitching matchup uh tanaka has had the postseason uh the postseason success in the past and carlos carrasco had a, a great year and then if we do get to game three you're looking at uh either j-hap or davy garcia versus Zach Plesak. That is one where I think you definitely have to give the advantage to the Indians if it gets there. This is going to be a tough, tough series. Now, if I'm being honest about how I feel right now. How do you feel? The Yankees have been extremely inconsistent this year. They are... This is how the Yankees... You can, you can really break up the Yankees' season into four points. Would you go as far as to say that they stank the big farts? In the, in the last part of the season, yes, I would say that. Wow. So, they start the season, they go 16-6. and six. That's 22 games of the season, you go 16-6, and six, that's great. 
their next 20 games, they go 5-15. and 15, Come on. One of the worst teams in the league across that stretch. Stunk. Then they win 10 straight. Everyone's saying the World Series is back on. Um, and then they finish out by losing 6 of 8. So the real question is, will the real New York Yankees please stand up? Please stand up. Please stand up. You can sit back down. We don't know which version of the Yankees are going to show up. It's going to be hard for them to... Uh, you know, have a, a crazy offensive performance against the Indians. I do think the Yankees on paper have the better team. They have the better lineup, but they just haven't shown it all this year. Um, this one could go either way. I'm going to say that I, I don't have the highest amount of confidence going into this. It's tough to have high confidence when your team's lost six to eight and the other team is uh, streaking at the right time. Big old Again, baseball is a crazy sport. We do not know. Uh, which version of each team is going to show up. They are both kind of streaky teams. Uncle Train, in the least biased fashion you can possibly give, what are your thoughts on this series? So the key thing is that the Yankees absolutely mash the ball. And that's something that we've seen with every single team, and you really hate to see it. Now, obviously, Game 1 is going to be an absolute pitcher's duel between these starters. Um, we will Only time will tell if... Um, Jose Ramirez will be able to get a hold of a big old-fashioned tater tot doo-doo cake over the center field wall against Garrett Cole. If he can do that, I believe Cleveland has the edge. And the reason I say that is because Cleveland's starters are very, very strong. Their pitching overall is just much stronger than the Yanks. Now, this is one of the better teams that I would probably choose from a pitching standpoint to be able to hold the Yanks lineup in check. Most other teams, I would say you're kind of dancing with the devil, skating on thin ice, playing with fire, going against the Yankees, the Yankees lineup, especially guys like Luke Voigt, the Ding Dong Johnson champion of the year, as well as DJ LeMahieu, um, who I talked about on last week's episode. It's an absolute load of horseshit that he wins the batting title and also manages to mash absolute dongs in a Yankee uniform, but either way, guys like Shane Bieber, clearly MLB's best pitcher right now. You got Carlos Carrasco. This is a dude with a 2.91 ERA, backing Biebsmeister. Um, behind Carrasco, who are we talking? Zach Plesac with a 2.28 ERA and a .80 whip. Now, these are dudes who, yeah, we talk about Shane Bieber a lot because obviously he's the best pitcher in baseball, but he is not the only pitcher in the rotation. So if Bieber somehow, you know, if, if the Indians lose the first game one nothing somehow, you know, if Garrett pitches like a, you know, complete game shutout, it's not like their chances are over with their rotation behind Bieber. You got guys like Carrasco and Plesak, Brad Hand uh, closing it up. Um, somehow... Oliver Perez is still in the major leagues, and he's in the bullpen for the Indians. Uh, dude, actually, you know, he's, he's had a solid year thus far. 2 ERA, 14 Ks, the old man himself. 39 years old, got to be loving that. But either way, the Indians, I think, have the rotation. I would be almost more nervous um, about the Indians being able to put bat on the ball. I think their offense is gonna, what's going to be the death of them in this series if they do go down. Uh, the Yanks, I feel, from an offensive standpoint, are just going to run all over them. 
Um, in comparison, again, like I said, the Indians pitching staff, I think, is going to be able to hold it down. But you can only hold it down so much against the Yanks because I would say, you know, a successful outing for the Indians rotation or for, the, for their entire pitching staff, rather, would be if they can hold the Yanks, you know, two or three runs in a game. I would consider that a win against an offensive powerhouse like the Yanks. So you really need your offense to, to, to come through big. And unfortunately, I kind of have the feeling that Cleveland's offense is just going to be a little bit lackluster. I mean, Lindor this year hasn't been the stud that we've seen in previous years. He's he batted, what, like 250, something like that. So I think Cleveland's offense, uh, with them being kind of bottom of the pack in a lot of categories across the board, um, that's going to be the death of them in this series. So unfortunately, as much as it's painting, painting me to say, I have a feeling the Yanks are going to get a hold of Beeb for at least, you know, just one run, maybe two. Um, and then, you know, once they get to the pen, they might tack on another one. I don't know if Cleveland's going to be able to come out offensively on this one. It's going to be a hell of a series. Um, I, I think everything you said is correct. Game one tomorrow night. Uh, both teams sending their aces to the hill. Going to be a great one, folks. Um, and now, a word from our sponsors. Ladies and gentlemen, today's Oneg is sponsored in part by the Dukeberg family for tonight's Yom Kippur service. Oh, say shalom bimramov. Ooh, say shalom aleinu. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Yomi Kips. <laughs> Yom Kippur is our sponsor for the evening. We had a, if, for those of uh, those non-tribe members, uh, the Goyim, the Shiksas listening to the podcast, last night, yesterday evening, into this evening, sundown, sundown to sundown, it was Yom Kippur. That is the Jewish holiday where we fast to atone for our sins. Uh, we've done a lot of sinning this year. Lord knows. Uh, actually, there's not much sinning that you could do when you're stuck inside all year. But either way, um, our president's definitely done a lot of sinning, so I'll repent for him for him a little bit, for what it's worth. Not worth much, because God knows there's a mountain of sins over there, baby. Trump is an absolute sack of shit, and you absolutely have to get out there and vote. Vote early if you can. Either way, the boys, Uncle Trey and the big dog, we did break the fast this evening, we did the full 24 hours, no food, a little bit of water. It absolutely fucking sucked. Like it does every year. What did we break the fast with? Big dog, what did you break the fast with today? So I'm breaking the fast with a bagel cream cheese lox. So I did a bagel cream cheese lox, then did a little piece of bagel with some whitefish on it. Uh, a little tomato on the uh, bagel cream cheese locks. Come on. Then, you know, obviously you're starving, so you have to go back for seconds. It's just that type of a meal. You so then it. I'm having a uh, another half a bagel with white fish salad on it. You gotta like the white fish, folks. It's a, it's a delicious treat. Uh, and you gotta mix it up a little bit on the bagels. And yep. then, for dessert, uh, have a little chocolate chip cookie action, a little crumb cake action. And you are just absolutely stuffed by the end of it because your stomach is just not ready for it. And the Duke that we will be taking tomorrow uh, morning... Don't even get me started. Absolutely monstrous, folks. It's going to be off the charts, folks. It's one of the best ones of the year, one of the best meals of the year, one of the best Dukes of the year. Tough day to start, but it finishes gloriously. Uncle Train, talk to me about your breakfast. 
What did you do? What did you have? Thank you for asking, Big Dog. So I did not take the day off of work because, again, we are stuck inside due to COVID restrictions. So we did not do a family gathering of any sorts like we do every year to break the fast. I was like, fuck it. If I'm at home, I might as well be working. Save the day off for another time. So I was working and <laughs> really fucking sucked. I started to get a little bit lightheaded towards 2, 3 o'clock. Took a little bit of a sip of water. I know that's not uh, it's frowned upon to an extent, but yeah, it is what it is. And I ordered from a new place up on York Ave and 89th, I believe, Bob's Bagels. Big shout out to Bob. So I was looking for a new bagel place. Let me tell you. In my location, the Upper East Side. We're right by the 4 or 5 Express Train 86. So we usually get bagels from Tall Bagels, which I know they got a couple locations, or H&H Bagels. H&H is down on 80th and 2nd. Now, both these places have, I've heard good things. They've been touted. Trust me, I've been getting them for a while, and I have never been thrilled. I do a little bit of a retrospective, or an introspective. I don't know, some sort of spective. I'm doing it. And I think to myself, I'm living in Manhattan. Why the fuck am I not satisfied with my bagels? Something is wrong. I need a new spot. A little bit of searching on the interweb, the Google machine. You got to love it. You have to love it. Suck it. Bob's Bagels. I was like, all right, fuck it. This place has been around for 25 years or so. They got two locations, one up on York Ave and 89, one down somewhere else, maybe Broadway. Who the fuck knows? Who the fuck cares? Place the order. What do we do, big dog? Well, we got ourselves, and I say ourselves, plural, but it's one man here, and I got myself three bagels. I did the sesame, I did the egg, and I usually go everything, and I did a plain. And I'll tell you why I did a plain. Am I going to want an everything bagel that might have a little bit too much salt in the everything spices on the outside, the everything seeds, to the point where I now have whitefish salad on my everything bagel, a salty deli salad and a salty bagel? In what world would that be a cohesive bundle of love and joy? I'll tell you, hell is where it would be because I'm here on this earth. I am not having my whitefish with a salty bagel. So folks... I swapped out the everything for a plane. So the reason that I went with the plane is because every every year on Yomi Kips, I'm always going back for seconds, thirds, fourths. And by the fourth or so, you're looking at the bottom of the barrel with the selection of bagels. And the plain bagel is always sitting there. And I always have a plain bagel on Yomi Kips because it's one of the last ones to go. And for some reason, that plain bagel is ingrained in my mind as a Yomi Kips staple so now, I got myself a plain bagel. Hindsight 2020, I could have had egg salad on the everything bagel. That would have been the money move. I'm an idiot. I will accept defeat. But folks, you can't knock the plain bagel decision every now and then. It is still a very, very good bagel. We do need to end the disrespect on the plain bagel, though. It is great. a great bagel. I mean, to me, it's, in, it's, up there, uh, it's up there as one of the best bagels. Don't disrespect someone who orders a plain bagel. That's don't disrespect. Don't disrespect the plain bagel. I mean, okay. it's an all-time classic. Okay. It's an all-time classic. Uh, and and yes, when you're eating a lot of salty salads or salty locks, it's a nice, uh, it's a nice, you know, moderate flavor. Still delicious. Oh, it's called Bagel Bob's, not Bob's Bagels. I apologize. Because uh, I was gonna say you could call it Bobby's Bees, but no, nah, it's it's Baggy Bee. It's now it's Baggy Bob, the Baggy Bees. No, now it's Baggy Bee. So, but either way, 
So I had three bagels topped with quarter pound of white fish, quarter pound tuna salad, quarter pound egg salad. I had one half of a bagel left without any deli salad. So I toast it. I put a little bit of butter on it. Bada bing, bada boom. Mr. Worldwide, as I step in the room, because I'm a hustler, baby. But that's you knew. Um, overall, it was a very good breaking of the fast. Three bagels, plenty of deli salads. You can't go wrong. I'll be completely honest, though. I was not stuffed this year, which leads me to believe. Do I usually eat, like, five bagels when I break the fast? You got to be wondering. I, I don't... Oh, no, no, no. <clears throat> this is what happens. Usually, we got other shit. We got other shit to eat on Yomi Kips. My dad usually makes a shit ton of matzo brai. If you've never had it, you've been living under a fucking rock. You get lox, cream cheese, a little bit of capers, onions. So you got other shit usually. That's why I had three bagels with the deli salads and it wasn't enough. Not that it wasn't enough. I just wasn't full. And if you're eating on Yomi Kips, you're fasting all day. At this point, I'm starving. I ate like three hours ago and I am absolutely starving. You hate to see it. You really do. And on that note, you also absolutely have to suck it. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we're happy to be back. Yours truly, Uncle Train, and the doggy duty staying in the back of the pantaloons, the big dog. We are now moving on to the National League wild card. Ladies and gents, boys and girls, you gotta love it. We are starting this off on Wednesday. September 30th, and it's going to run through Friday, October 2nd. Big Dog, how are we feeling? Come on, boy, what do you, what do you say, say now, boy? boy? What, what do you say, say now, boy? boy? Uh, I am feeling like the Reds are the last team you want to see uh, in the National League in this, uh, in this format, um, other than the Dodgers, of course, because you are starting out as you said, with Cy Young favorite Trevor Bauer. Mm -hmm. Game two, if, if Bauer wasn't enough for you, you have to go up against Luis Castillo, who, by the Yeesh. way, over the final month of the season was absolutely fantastic. And then in game three, if you get there, you have to go up against Sonny Gray, the man who could not pitch in New York, but he certainly can pitch in Cincinnati. Now... The Reds do not have the lineup that uh, the Braves do. There's no doubt about that. You got Freddie Freeman and Acuna on the uh, on the Braves side, both uh, MVP caliber players. Yep. Acuna was hurt a little bit this year, so he's not in the running. But Freddie Freeman's certainly going to finish top three to four in the MVP voting. Mm -hmm. um, but past Max Fried in Game One, and Max Fried is uh, he's no slouch. But past Max Fried, I just don't know. Uh, you know, if they have the pitching here, um, the offense is going to have to hold it down. But we saw this last year where the pitching kind of did the Braves in. Now they go into this series without Soroka. If you had Soroka, I'd be taking the Braves. Mm -hmm. I really would mm -hmm. be taking it. Wouldn't have to think too hard about it. This is a little different. I really think that the Reds are the type of team you do not want to see here. Um, I think they have enough offense to get this done. It's you not think like the they have enough offense is, uh, to get this done? I do. You really uh, do? Yeah. I think Castellanos. Um, I think Moustakis. I think Senzel. I think Suarez. I think Winker. I think they have enough to get it done. I, and to me... You do realize Braves... that they were rock bottom of the entire majors in batting average this year. And the guys that you're talking about 
Castellanos. I mean, yeah, he's got 14 dongs on the season, but other than that, I mean, he's hitting a lot of solo shots with like 34 ribeyes. So, folks, and Votto with a huge regression this season. I mean, Jesus, the guy absolutely stinks farts. Even the Moose Man is not putting up numbers like he's put up, you know, in previous years. Overall, I mean, this is a pretty offensively shitty team. Moose always comes through in the playoffs. Um, he has done that throughout his career with Kansas City and Milwaukee. Um, so I'm not too worried about him. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. You have to be a little bit nervous about the fact that the team overall is not great at hitting. But you're throwing out three guys who are Cy Young caliber pitchers. I'm not saying all of them were in the running this year. I'm saying that top to bottom, those are three of the best pitchers in the NL. Yeah, and right. I think in a three-game series, that's going to be really tough to deal with. I think the Braves absolutely need to win game one. It is it, You have to win it. Yes. Because if you, if you can't win with Max Freed on the bump, you automatically have the disadvantage in games two and three. Um, You're also me, going up against one of the best pitchers in baseball, though. So, I mean... Right. So it's, it's, it's neutralized, but to me, you have to win that game. Really tough. Listen, the Braves have a very good bullpen. I mean, they got really good seasons out of Martin and Green, mm-hmm. um, something that they haven't had the past couple of years. That's very big, but I just think if I'm looking at this, I like the Reds' rotation to get this done. To me, they are a scary team in this format. It's just how I see it. I think it's going to go three, but I'm, I'm taking the Reds uh, to me there. They're taking this series. Wow. That's, uh, I think that's aggressive. It could be. It certainly could be, but, uh, you know, you have to be aggressive. There's going to be some wonky shit happening, and the Reds had something to play for all year long. They were trying to fight to get in, and I really think you put Psycho T on the mound, you follow them up with the other two boys, and it's going to be very tough for Atlanta to win this series. Yeah, I, 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 I respect that take. I just think overall, the Reds' offense, um, I mean, I guess this kind of gives them the best shot of any really going up against, uh, again, beyond, beyond Freed, going up against this Atlanta rotation. This gives them the best opportunity. That's, a, uh, that's quite the siren you got going on. It's quite the siren. Uh, you got to pass. Got to be wondering if everybody's doing all right over there. You hope so. Sending, out, sending our thoughts and prayers, Rumpel Trainer, the big dog. Um, but yeah, I mean, Castillo, Luis Castillo on the Reds, very very good. Uh, you saw what he did this year with the three two one ERA, seven quality starts behind Bowers nine. Um, but still, I think he's a hittable guy. Um, Interesting to see how the season carried. Holy shit. He only gave up five ding-dongs. Luis Castillo. Luis Castillo's really good. I mean, he's just a really good pitcher. He gave I, up I do five think, ding-dongs on the year. I do it. think... In 70 and, innings. I, I do think one thing that, you know, is true, and listen, I'm not holding this against the Reds, but it is just a true thing. We were talking about this before the podcast. You do have to account for the fact that the Reds really haven't had to face many great offenses this year and and i'm not i'm not holding that against them as a reason that you know i'm not trying to say that they should not be in the playoffs because of it you can only play the schedule that's put in front of you but what i am saying is that the the braves are going to be one of the better offenses 
that Cincinnati has faced this year. Nobody within their division has anything close to what the Braves are putting out there, one through nine. So going to be interesting to see, can Bauer hold down a great lineup like that? He hasn't had many tough tests uh, this entire year. I think he only had to face the White Sox outside the division once. Mm. Um, so going to be interesting to see how, how he fares. But again, I am taking the Reds in this series. It'll be interesting. Okay, I respect that choice. Let's move on because we are cutting the time. We're already at 50 minutes. All right, let's... How the fuck uh, are we at 50 minutes? We just spent like 20 minutes talking about the Reds. No, we were talking... I think we were doing the AL for a while, but let's let's move on. All right, so the series after that, starting at 2.08 p.m. Eastern on Wednesday, is going to be the Marlins versus the Cubs. Now, folks, who would have thunk it? The Marlins getting in here. Um, you know, unbelievable that they were able to accomplish this. Obviously not the greatest roster, leaving Mets fans wondering, why not us? Uh, well, because you stink. Uh, so you have the Marlins, who are going to be interesting here, because you have guys like Sixto Sanchez and Alcantara uh, leading the rotation. Not an easy test uh, for anyone. Um, lineup is okay. You know, you have Starling Marte, Brian Anderson, been hot the last month of the season, um, and and a decent bullpen, right? I, I don't think this is the most talented roster, but you got to really tip the cap to Don Mattingly and the squad down there in Miami. Captain Yank, uh, Derek Jeter, the CEO, great job by him and mm-hmm. the whole organization putting this team together and getting them through a COVID scare at the beginning of the season. Um, and they're taking on the Cubs. And, and the Cubs are really just, uh, they're an interesting team. They started out extremely hot. You are going to have a staff led by you, Darvish, who is one of the best pitchers in the NL this year. Mm-hmm. Kyle Hendricks, obviously not a uh, an easy test either, but you gotta say that you think I I do think the Marlins have a chance here I'm not saying they're gonna win this one I'm not even gonna say I'm gonna pick it but this is a team that feels very beatable for this Miami Marlins team Um, you know Javi Baez had a really down year this year he he got moved down to like 6th or 7th in the order Chris Bryant was getting hurt on and off all year which is not great Um, this is a gettable team it's a gettable team um, they have been there before. They have the experience. Um, but I don't know. I think this is going to be a fun series. And I'm not sure. I think Miami's got a shot here. The Cubbies have a good team. Between you, Darvish, you know, Cy Young candidate, as well as Kyle Hendricks, also putting up a great year with 80-plus innings on a shortened season to the tune of a 2-8 ERA. So he's really just going to put his body and his arm out on the line this this year. Looking at their offense, the Cubbies leave a lot to be desired. They have not really had the offensive power that you've seen in previous years. Overall, average-wise, they are kind of bottom of the barrel. Um, so I think Miami, not that they have, they have a slight edge on the Cubs offensively, because obviously Miami, I mean, they're a they're a, more of a small ball kind of team. They do not have a ton of ding-dongs on the year. You've seen they are a scrappy team this year. Um, you know what? The more and more we talk about this, the more and more I am willing to go out on a limb. Uh, no consequences, so don't care. I think the Miami Marlins are winning this series. The Cubs feel like a gettable team. They feel like a team that could come into this playoffs and lay an egg. And... Uh, I'm taking Miami Marlins to win this. Uh, yeah, I'm taking Miami Marlins to, to win this. I hey, already Miami. finished saying it. I already finished saying it. So I'm fucking. I'm hopping on the Miami train, even though they are in our division. It doesn't matter. They stunk so much Duke over the last 
decade and a half that it no longer matters. Um, aside from, I guess, 2007, we still got some bad blood. But that's all it's, good. It's the podcast it. pick, folks. Podcast, podcast pick, Miami Marlins. Lock it in, take a duke on the TV, flush it down, and let it go. That's what you have to do when you lock in your pick. You just got to do it, let it happen, don't worry about it. Flush it down the T. And moving on, 508, we got the Cardinals. Only had to play 58 games this season against the Padres, one of the most exciting teams in Major League Baseball. Now, you got to put the money on the pods. You have to. I mean, yeah. The offensive prowess. You're going to say, and I agree with you, that the Padres are, you know, definitely favored in this series. They definitely should be able to win this one. But, you, you know, you look... I, and I, I know we haven't been talking much about this, but you look a little past this for the Padres. And the fact that Clevenger is not going to be ready to go yeah. is a big hit to them. Um, I know they can hit, and I know they have the swagger. Uh, so I am going to pick them here. think they win, mainly because I just don't think St. Louis is very good. I mean, St. Louis is going to throw out Kim in Game 1. They're probably going to look at Flaherty uh, later in the series. And Flaherty, we know what he can do. He wasn't unbelievable this year, but we know what he's capable of. Yeah. Uh, I just think that the offensive prowess of San Diego, uh, you know, headlined by Machado and Tatis going to be too much for the Cardinals. Um, and then I think you're looking at, yeah, it's going to be it, – it's unfortunate you don't have Clevenger in this series. Yeah, but Zach, maybe, Davey, Zach Davies is going to be able to hold it down. This dude, he had a sub-3 ERA through seven, almost 70 innings this year. So, so, so yeah, he can, don't he worry. can do it. Pa- Paddock's talented. Starts. Paddock's talented, and then you get to the back end of that bullpen um, where you have to go through guys like Drew Pomerantz. Yeah. Um, and Pomerantz had a, a sensational year. Yeah. Um, you know, I think they're just going to be too much. But I, I think that it does kind of stink for the Padres that Clevenger, the guy that they go out and get to really, you know, pitch game one and be that bona fide ace for them throughout the postseason, he, we don't know really what they're going to get from him in October. Very unfortunate. Um, but, yeah, the Cardinals are just not an exciting team. I, I mean, there's nothing really about the Cardinals lineup that, that scares you. Goldschmidt is not what he used to be. Uh, I'm not getting scared by a guy like Harrison Bader. You don't have Marcelo Zuna anymore. Um, so I just don't see it happening for the Cardinals. Um, they're just a little yeah. lackluster there for me. You know, cards, I, cards I, offensively, they really got nothing going on. I mean, beyond... Maybe Goldschmidt's uh, 417 OBP. You have really nothing with this team offensively. I mean, your next best guy, you know, is what? Tommy Edmond? Guy stinks big old-fashioned fart pantaloons. Uh, No one on their team has hit more than seven homers on the year. So this is a, you could argue, small ball, but unfortunately their team average stinks farts too. So I think the St. Louis Cardinals are going to be put away swiftly by the Padres. I would not worry behind, hey, Denil Denilson, Tesla Kittleson, Lamette, and Zach Davies with the one-two punch for the pods. Maybe Clev if they need to go to the game of three, but I do not believe that will be necessary. Um, Adam Wainwright and... Wang Young Kim are, I guess, the two go-to starters. Or they'll, so, they'll throw Dakota Hudson out. So is Denilson Lamette ready for the postseason? He is, sh- 
as of now, I believe he is good for game one. So you think he, they have not announced it yet? So I guess we're gonna see. They have not announced it, but um, Train's got a hunch, and when you got the hunch, you gotta roll with it. So we're gonna see. I mean, you you gotta hope that he pitches. Either um, way, either way, I think really in all aspects of this matchup, the Padres have the cards beat when it comes to the pen, when it comes to the rotation, 100% healthy or not, and clearly when it comes to the offensive side of things, the Padres are gonna absolutely take a. Big old steaming duke on the St. Louis Cardinals, who have nothing going for them this year. How they are even in the postseason is beyond me, but you don't wonder these things, folks. You kind of just let them happen. Moving on to the fourth and final series matchup, we got the Milwaukee Brew Crew against the absolute fucking animals that are the Los Angeles Dodgers. This is the this is the most lopsided series. Of the eight series that we're going to get to watch, just nothing really that, that... Listen, again, it's two out of three. You never know, but there's just nothing here that really makes you think that the Brewers are going to be able to pull this off. You're going to have to go through the buzzsaw of Walker Bueller, who's been one of the best postseason pitchers over the last three years since he's been in the league. Uh, you know, and then you're going through Kershaw, and I know what the narrative is on Kershaw in the playoffs, but yeah, yeah, yeah. still don't want to face him really. Also, um, Dustin, May, Brewers, Dustin, Dustin May, May out of the bullpen potentially uh, proved he could do it through four innings um, on Sunday out of the bullpen mm-hmm. and was really good. Uh, you have Tony Gonsolin, who's been very good for them as well. Yep. Then you're then you're just looking at guys like Mookie Betts and Cody Bellinger and Corey Seager in the lineup. There is just they are just better in every facet than the Brewers are, and I just can't see the Brewers. I, I can't see the Brewers winning a game. I, I just don't think they're going to be yeah. competitive against them. Uh, the Dodgers will be winning this series. This is the one that I would say of all of them that I would be the most confident about. It, it's just there's nothing really too exciting here unless unless you just want to watch the Dodgers mow a team down. Yeah. Um, Dodgers by a million. You got to hand it to the boys. This one will be a quick two-game series against the Brew Crew. And we will see how things shake up, folks. It's going to be a wild ride, and plenty of baseball will be on all day, every day, for the foreseeable future, the foreseeable future being this week. And folks, that's all we have for you today on the postseason preview episode. Hope everyone had an easy fast uh, that went through with the fast today. Yep. And this episode has been good. It's been fun. It's been real. But I couldn't say confidently that it's been good fun fun real absolutely not come on you gotta love it you gotta suck it all the above big time we record this is 64 minutes long yeah so just wrap it up you gotta wrap it up i'm gonna have to i'm gonna have to cut some shit out that's insane 64 minutes how did we manage to talk for an hour about the postseason because first of all, there's eight there's there's eight matchups to go through. Then you have the the Yom Kippur thing that that it was long. Yeah, you talking for for five minutes about plain bagels and ordering quarter pound and your seamless account. The intro the intro was not short. Yeah. I mean, we do this every time. We we say we're we're gonna be short and then. It's I know it's unbelievable. This is insane though. I feel like we should have been able to keep this for like easy half an hour.
Could have been. Would have been. Could have been. Didn't do it. Hate to see it. Gotta love it. You absolutely have to suck it. Ladies and gentlemen, we will catch you back. Maybe we'll do another one next week. I feel like we should do a weekly one. We'll try to make it shorter. Who the fuck knows? Rivaducci, Rivaducci, love you all. Fuck Trump. Uh, hope everyone has an easy fast. You gotta love it. You gotta suck it. And we'll talk to you soon. Come on, boy.